Hello and welcome to the podcast version of Scripps' Five Must Know Things, this time for the business week ended 12th May 2023. This is Ian Haydock. This time, J&J's Duato on the importance of diversity, Tiva's views on its new Risperidone launch, Almirol's hopes for Lebrikizumab, Biogen's V-Backer questions the need for spending on weight loss drugs, and Sightline's annual R&D review looks at the current state of the global biopharma pipeline. Johnson & Johnson chairman and CEO Joaquin Duato kept the audience enthralled at a recent conclave as he peppered his responses around important issues ranging from diversity, equity and inclusion, or DEI, to the company's sophisticated system of onboarding innovation with vignettes from his own life journey and corporate learnings. There were other gems, too, put across with understated wit and elegance. Duato revealed that after he finished graduate school in the US, he interviewed for J&J and didn't make it to the second round, Andrew Gangurdi writes. If you don't get hired after an interview, be resilient, the executive said at the USA-India Chamber of Commerce Annual Biopharma and Healthcare Summit. Born in Spain, Duato, who moved to the US over two decades ago, recounted that in the early years, having an Hispanic accent meant being subject to certain stereotypes in his normal life outside the walls of the company. I got a glimpse of what it meant to be different and what it meant to have biases. That was a big life lesson for me, and it taught me something important, which is empathy. Those experiences shaped Duato's wider outlook towards understanding the power of diversity, he indicated in the fireside chat with Kenneth Frazier, who's former CEO of Merck Co. Since then, I've always considered DEI as a core component of how I live, and now, as CEO of Johnson & Johnson, as a core component of our culture, Duato declared. DEI is one of the key elements that attracts people to a multi-generational company like J&J, he underscored, highlighting significant progress made in those areas. We have a goal of having 50% female representation in management positions and above, and we are very close to that already, Duato stated. In the US specifically, the company has a goal of having 35% ethnic racial diversity in all its management ranks and was doing really well in that, while for black and African-American employees, the goal is to increase their absolute numbers in management positions in the US by 50%. We put that goal in 2021 to accomplish that in 2025, and we are already almost there in 2023, Duato pointed out. A J&J long-timer who has held leadership positions across multiple business sectors, geographies and functions, Duato also elucidated the key elements that kept the company both vibrant and innovative. Yet, at the core of it all was the need to remain humble and recognise that most of the innovation is not going to occur within the walls of Johnson & Johnson, the CEO said in response to queries from Fraser who's currently chairman of General Catalyst's health assurance initiatives. We have to be externally focused on being able to partner with multiple companies, most of the times smaller companies than us, and being able to add value with our own capabilities, which are more in areas of bringing scale in clinical development, manufacturing and commercialization, Duato explained. An estimated 70% of the products in the company's pipeline come from external sources, although the CEO clarified that at times the company partners for pre-clinical assets that could sometimes take 10 to 15 years to get to the market.
Teva Pharmaceutical Industries believes it can build a sizable commercial franchise out of its newly approved long-acting antipsychotic Uzedi, which is risperidone, and during its first quarter sales and earnings call on 10th May, CEO Richard Francis said Uzedi will be the next growth pillar in the company's branded portfolio, anchored by Ostedo and Adjuvi. We think this has the opportunity to grab between 10% to 20% of that $4 billion market, Francis said, referring to the size of the market for long-acting injectable drugs for schizophrenia. But the field is competitive and includes Johnson & Johnson's well-established Risperdal, but Teva believes Uzedi will be competitive because of favourable product characteristics, Jessica Merrill writes. The subcutaneously administered drug, developed with Teva's partner, Medincel, was approved by the US FDA on 28 April for the treatment of schizophrenia. We believe we have a highly competitive product in the LAI category. Executive Vice President, North America Commercial, Sven Deathlefs, said. As compared to other drugs in the category, no oral supplementation or a loading dose, so you can discharge the patient right after first treatment, and you're safe that you have therapeutic levels for one or two months, Deathlefs added. Uzedi will join Teva's other growing brands to drive continued growth within the branded specialty drug side of its business. The brands only account for just over 10% of the company's revenues, but the products have been growing steadily recently versus the company's struggling generics business, particularly the North American generics business, which has faced the most challenging headwinds. Francis took over the CEO role on 1st of January, tasked with the challenging job of returning Teva to sales and earnings growth following years of declines. He's scheduled to outline his strategy to investors on 18th of May, but also foreshadowed during the first quarter call what investors can expect to hear. We have made some clear choices in this strategy, some clear prioritisation, and we have a focused company going forward where the capital allocation will follow, he said. Almiral has posted a healthy set of financials for the first quarter, ahead of expected EU approval for lebricizumab, the investigational atopic dermatitis drug partnered with Eli Lilly, which is expected to be transformational for the Spanish dermatology specialist. A regulatory decision is scheduled by the fourth quarter for the closely watched interleukin-13 inhibitor, which was submitted to the European Medicines Agency in October 2022. The filing was based on three phase three studies, two as monotherapy and a combination study with topical corticosteroids. And Almerol believes that lebricizumab has the potential to become a best-in-class treatment for atopic dermatitis, Kevin Grogan writes. Earlier this month, the Barcelona headquartered group published a post-hoc analysis based on data from the 16-week induction periods of the three late-stage studies which showed 58-73% to 73% of adult and adolescent patients treated with lebricizumab experienced improvement or clearance of face or hand dermatitis. The atopic dermatitis space, one of the hottest around, is currently dominated by Sanofi and Regeneron Pharmaceuticals' dual IL-13 and IL-4 inhibitor, Dupixin. But some observers have claimed that lebricizumab has a better efficacy profile. Also, Carl Ziegelbauer, who's Almerol's chief scientific officer, noted on the firm's Q1 call that the drug did not have any of the safety concerns of other JAK inhibitors approved for atopic dermatitis. 
As for potential future competitors, he made reference to Galderma's IL-31 inhibitor, Nimalizumab, which recently posted promising top-line phase 3 results, saying that that class of treatment was mainly targeting the itch but not the eczema, and we believe to effectively treat atopic dermatitis, both aspects need to be covered, like we're seeing with Lebrikizumab. He also noted Sanofi's Amlatilimab and Amgen and Curacirin's Rocatinlimab, which are investigational atopic dermatitis therapies, which both target the OX40 pathway, saying that while the French firm's drug seems perhaps a little weaker in terms of early data as compared with Jupilimab, it was too early to make any in-depth comments. Analysts at Jefferies cited a recent internal survey which suggests US dermatologists could eventually use lebrikizumab in about a third of Dupixent-treated patients. If the US FDA gives a green light to Lilly's submission of lebrikizumab by August, that should help crystallise the potential EU opportunity for Almorol, they added, forecasting peak sales of an eminently achievable €400 million. Euros. At a time when demand for anti-obesity drug Wagovi has busted through recently hiked capacity despite availability in just three markets, Biogen's president and CEO Christopher Wiebacher raised a question that might not be to the liking of folks at Novo Nordisk and Eli Lilly. Do we need to spend as much as a society on weight loss drugs when there is another solution which is much cheaper? Wiebacher, popularly known as Chris in the industry, queried in response to a question on drug pricing by the moderator, Sam Waxel, who's founder and former CEO of Implant Systems, during a panel discussion at a recent conference. Viva Ravi writes, Lilis Munjaro is expected to be approved by the US FDA as a weight loss medication in adults with type 2 diabetes, as positive results from a phase 3 trial are foreseen. Wiebacher's reference was to the fact that despite the presence of several non-preventable diseases, R&D dollars and nearly 75% of healthcare budgets are spent on chronic diseases, many of which are preventable. Maxal had asked panellists at the USA-India Chamber of Commerce annual Biopharma and Healthcare Summit what companies are going to do about pricing and how they view incremental changes versus ones that substantially move the needle. We are spending an awful lot of money where behavioural change and different diets, different exercise regimes could actually save an awful lot of money. So personally, I think we're going to need to save our scarce resources for those people who have illnesses for which they can't really do anything, Wiebacher said. Expressing the view that there's going to be pressure on prices, with the US market looking a lot more like Europe over the next 10 to 15 years, he said the bar for innovation is going to continue to grow. How many CAR-T companies do we need? How many PD-1s do we need? That's not going to fly in tomorrow's world. And we're going to have to get a lot better at healthcare economics and being able to assess the economic value and not just the medical value of our medicines, Wiebacher said. While the world can't afford not to treat Alzheimer's and rare diseases and oncology, there are probably some other areas where through preventative measures we could actually save the healthcare system the money that's needed to fund these catastrophic illnesses, he added. In a separate segment of the discussion, PureTech Health's founder and CEO, Daphne Zohar, said clinical trials will offer an opportunity for a lot of innovation. 
Apart from decentralized trials, new tools and technologies for remote monitoring and follow-up with patients could make a substantial difference. And I think there's going to be things like vocal biomarkers that are going to change the landscape for decentralized clinical trials and clinical trials in general, she added. The wide-ranging discussion also touched on the US Inflation Reduction Act, M&A valuations, and the rise of the Chinese pharma industry. So do please check out the article in full for all of the details. Finally, the relentless expansion of pharma's R&D pipeline was checked somewhat last year, even as the proportion of drugs in active development for cancer reached new heights and the burgeoning industry in Asia made its presence felt. The overall pipeline size reached 21,292 drugs in development at the start of 2023, a 5.9% increase from the same time point in 2022, but a lower growth rate than the 8.2% seen last year. Nevertheless, it does not lag too far behind the five-year average of 6.9%. The data come from Pharma Project's new Pharma R&D Annual Review 2023, published by Sightline and based on a snapshot of the database taken on 4th of January, Alex Shimmings writes in this infographic article. Over 41% of newly identified drug candidates are targeted against at least one form of cancer. This is up from the previous year's figure of 38.8%, leaving neurologicals with 13.5% a distant second. The focus on rare diseases also increased. 19.5% of new candidates are targeted against one or more rare diseases, up from 2021's figure of 17.5%. For the first time, a Chinese company, Jiangsu Hungroi Pharmaceuticals, contributed the most of the newcomers, followed by the more usual major suppliers, Pfizer and Roche. Unusually, the 5.9% overall increase in pipeline size this year is spread fairly evenly throughout the phases of development. This hasn't always been the case historically. 2022 was more typical in that larger increases were seen at the earlier stages of R&D, declining as the story unfolded, noted the report's author Ian Lloyd, who's senior director of Pharma Project, who speculated that improved editorial processes used for the database could be one factor. This year, Roche has usurped its compatriot Novartis, ending the latter's reign of six years at the top. It would seem that Roche's ascent is largely organic. It only posted one small acquisition during the past calendar year, that of good therapeutics, Lloyd noted. Novartis holds on to its crown as the company originating the most drugs, however, and the rest of the top five remain unchanged, although of the top ten, only Bristol-Myers Squibb and Pfizer have larger pipeline sizes this year than last. This could partly be accounted for by how little significant M&A activity there was during 2022. Deals struck by the top 10 firms had next to no material effect on the size of the acquirer's pipelines. The company within the top 25, with the most significant increase in pipeline size, comes once again from China, namely Hungary, with a 19% increase in its R&D portfolio. Please check out the article in full for much more details and breakdowns of the pharma R&D pipeline globally, and the full report is also free access and a link to that is included within the article. That's all for this week. Many thanks for listening. 
You can find all the stories mentioned here linked in the article accompanying this podcast and log in to access all of our much more extensive content from our global team. Or if you're not already a subscriber, take a free trial to see what you're missing. Bye for now.